From Mountain Athletic Journal published out of Salt Lake City, this is Mountain Standard. Hey Google, how hard is it to run a marathon? According to Ray.com, most marathon training plans range from 12 to 20 weeks. Beginning marathoners should aim to build their weekly mileage up to 50 miles over the four months leading up to race day. Three to five runs per week is sufficient. The vast majority of these runs should be done at a relaxed pace. Huh. Well, shit. I've never actually wanted to run a marathon. There's been a couple times where I was close, but ultimately I thought better of it for various reasons, which I can get into later. But there's no mistaking that the marathon, for all 120 plus years that it's existed, has come to represent something much bigger than a niche competition on foot. At a little under 26 and a quarter miles, as most people are unsolicitedly made aware of by stickers on the back of vehicles, it's a very arbitrary distance, all things considered. Random distance or not, it's viewed as long. And long is viewed as difficult. And doing something difficult cements the idea that you're serious about it. But time has showed it's not difficult enough to thwart its popularity. There were 805 marathons in 2018 across North America alone. And since 2014, somewhere around a half a million North Americans have finished one every year. When people casually discuss liking the sport and find out that you do it even on a semi-frequent basis, the question of, have you ever run a marathon, inevitably comes up as some sort of social rite of passage to be measured against. By my own reckoning, running a marathon has become the de facto standard to identify yourself as a serious runner. But if you're a trail runner, like so many of us are, you may not fully agree with that definition because you probably don't view running in the same way. A lot of trail runners aren't simply running for exercise. A lot of people are using the sport to explore wild places the same way hiking does, only faster. And there's a lot of other factors in trail running that you don't really get with road running. There's much more elevation associated with trail running, at least a lot more so than road running. Sure, it's common to have to run uphill on the road too, but it's severely muted by comparison. The Boston Marathon, thought of one of the world's premier races, is actually downhill. And by a fair bit too. Depending on the source, you'll find somewhere around 650 feet of climbing and 1,050 feet of descending. And that's over the course of 26 or so miles. It's not uncommon to go out and run a trail that sees 3,000 feet of climbing and 3,000 feet of descent over a third of that marathon distance. There's also the navigation aspect of trail running and the remoteness, as well as the terrain itself that is often difficult or challenging. It's not uncommon to be the only person within a mile or so in either direction on that specific trail. So that draw of isolation and solitude that got you on the trail in the first place can lead to anxiety and doubt should something go wrong. Weather can be your greatest obstacle. When unexpected storms or even just low-level clouds appear, it can be disorienting at best and frightening on more severe occasions. This is all to say you have to have more of a commitment to uncertainty when trail running as compared to road running, where safety can be more clearly defined for you by bailing inside a coffee shop or calling a friend to pick you up if you sustain an injury. And one of the most obvious differences between the two types of running is that if you're a trail runner, you probably haven't towed the line at a race with 10 to 50,000 other people. 
That isn't to say those outlier examples are the norm, but over 11% of all marathons last year had over 1,000 finishers, while the average of the top 10 most popular ultras was less than half of that, around 460. You just don't see the same masses attempting trail runs. And in my head, it's because, quite frankly, it's just harder. Or so I thought. Melissa Martinez organizes running events in multiple southern states and hit the nail on the head in an interview she gave to The Guardian last year when she said, as people continue to see the marathon is more achievable, the human spirit will always crave more. It will always crave that feeling of pushing itself to the edge and then continuing on in spite of the pain. And the average marathon finish time of around four and a half hours just doesn't seem that long when compared to other efforts in the mountains doing hard things like biking or climbing. I mean, it's about half of a standard workday. In that same article last year in The Guardian, Steve Diedrich, who founded the Run Ultra website, said, So many people have done a marathon that now if someone tells you that they're running one, you ask if they're doing it in like a panda outfit or something. Just running a marathon doesn't mean much. With all that said, you can imagine my surprise when I learned that there were over 2,100 ultra marathons across North America in 2018. So that 2100 number gets reduced to about 800 when you just look at the number of 50K races, which is the most popular ultra marathon distance at 31 miles. But that's around the same number as marathons each year. The participation number is, however, much lower with around 110,000 finishers, which is less than a quarter of the number of people who finish a marathon each year. But 110,000 people finishing ultra marathons each year isn't no one. So it's definitely more popular than I was assuming. Unfortunately for me, one of those ultra marathons caught the eye of a good friend of mine named Shad. And Shad also shares my same thoughts on marathons. At 6'1 and a self-reported 195 pounds, Shad is often described more as a trail horse than anything else. For the record, I peg him at 210. Those numbers don't seem very horse-like, I'll admit. He's a big presence on any trail. He's a bottomless pit similar to a dog thinking every meal will be his last. He's constantly at risk of depleting his energy reserves, so he eats anything, at any time, to keep topped off. But his body fat is easily half that of a typical man his height, so his caloric intake is most often exhausted through activity rather than being carried on his person. His demeanor is compounded by sporting questionable styles of facial hair, wearing loud colors and often obnoxious clothing. Just as an example, we recently completed a local mountain bike race in 80s outfits sourced from a local vintage store. And his inside voice has been described as Amber Alert-esque since he's incapable of a whisper below vacuum cleaner volume levels. When it comes to mountain sports, he treats serious efforts as trivial and trivial matters as significant. He has this snarky way of downplaying things that a lot of people would take seriously. Honestly, I think a lot of people could mistake it as being douchey, but anyone who's spent more than three minutes with him realizes it doesn't come from a place of self-importance or grandeur. More often than not, it's just his attempt to ease somebody else's anxiety about something or to remove the perceived seriousness of a situation so you can just focus on getting whatever you came to do done without fail, or sometimes with fail, and it's okay. And it works, in my opinion. So when my wife and I went on a mountain trip recently around Cody, Wyoming with Shad and his wife, Aubrey, it wasn't a surprise when he pitched an ultramarathon to me in this manner. Snarky, downplaying, 
and painting it in the same light as a cute little 5k in the city. Unlike previous pitches that other people have made for me to do an ultra, this one left me with no reason to really say no. This seemed like the right time to do it and the right time to test my hypothesis about whether running a marathon is actually hard. Do I need to wear this? Uh, yeah, maybe put it on your, um, on your pocket maybe? Oh, this pocket. I was like, why do you want me? Testing. Uh, well, so you're, what you're not getting on this audio recording is that I am a 200 pound horse. Yeah, as, figured, as expected, this is Shad. I sat down with yeah, him to discuss what we were getting ourselves in into. Level. Okay, Shad, what have you got us into? What are we doing? Uh, we're running a 5.5K. A 5.5K. Isn't that what we signed up for? <laughs> 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 uh, I went to the website you showed me, and it is not 5.5K. It's actually uh, 55K. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I figured that marathons are kind of the new 5K, so we should just skip that one and go straight to something a little bit longer. I had this on the, on the list of questions because you and I share similar feelings on marathons, but tell me your general impressions of marathons. You don't have to be politically correct. Okay, well, everybody does them nowadays, and... I don't know, it just seems like we might as well try a little bit harder than most people and do something a little bit further. Pitch me on why you think this is a good idea. I don't think this is a good idea. Running, running in general is a terrible idea, but if I'm gonna run a distance, you might as well go a little bit further than a marathon. So why'd you rope me into this? What on earth makes you think that this is something I would be interested in doing? Well, you also like to do really stupid things and punish yourself. I, to be clear, I don't know why you're interested, but um, if I'm going to do it, then you're probably going to have to do it too. I like to yeah. share the pain. You do, yeah. Ultimately, what do you think our finishing goal should be? Have you looked at the times of other people that have finished? Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> In your head, how is this going to play out? Like seven eight, hours. Seven hours. Okay, so you do have a goal. Uh, seven hours is pretty fast. Okay. I think so. Take me through your thought process behind seven hours. Like, How did you arrive at that number? I, I have my own reasoning for my number. It might be closer to eight, but in my mind, I don't want to run for an entire work day. That's just an arbitrary conclusion. <laughs> yeah. I, <came> up with. <laughs> I was looking at the times just from last year, and it looks like, I mean, if you just split the difference, eight hours is a pretty good time, I think. Yeah. Given, given the finishing results of last year. I mean, take a guess at what the, the winning time was last year. Six hours. It was five hours, 20 minutes. Okay, maybe seven's a little aggressive. It's pretty, pretty it fast. It's just a like number I like. Eight's probably better. Seven would put you well into the top 10 last year. It's pretty good. Well, I wouldn't have to do it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but eight puts you in like the top third of the people who entered, which I'd be pretty happy with. Eight hours is a long fucking time. Eight yeah. hours is the time that I think about a flight somewhere being extremely long. And I kind of use sitting at a desk for eight hours and that being some sort of metric that you don't want to do. And I don't want to do that on a plane. And the fact that you don't want to do that on a trail running probably makes sense. So I don't know, I kind of had this eight hour mark in there of being kind of like top third. Yeah, everybody should pursue something that's challenging for them. And to be clear, I might die before I even run a marathon. So this is all really big talk right now, but <laughs> it's just, that's my thought process. Um, we've got, let me see, hold on. 
Let me pull up the calendar here. We've got basically two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah, so like, what's a good training routine? Like, you're supposed to ramp up, right? So I think you're supposed to ramp up. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> what have you been doing to prepare for this, though? Uh, bike racing. <laughs> I mean, like, mostly mountain biking and house projects. But <laughs> Oh, man. This didn't seem like the start that I wanted. It was obvious that both of us were going to be drastically underprepared for this. But exactly how unprepared was the question that I wanted an answer to. To get it, I was going to have to consult with people who actually knew what they were doing. It took me six months to train for my first ultra. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to go slow and steady and not get injury. Yep, that's about right. Not exactly the answer I was looking for. I'm Esther Smith. I own Grassroots Physical Therapy in Salt Lake City, and I've been a PT for almost nine years. Uh, I decided to stay and build my practice here because of the access to the mountains and all of the sports that I really love, mm -hmm. climbing, skiing, hiking, biking, running, um, and to really service uh, that population in my practice. When you meet Esther for the first time, it's immediately apparent that she's a super strong mountain athlete. She absolutely looks the part, too. One glance at her Instagram post will actually tell you this. But meeting her in person at Grassroots Physical Therapy, it becomes obvious that she may have been born with some natural ability, sure. But her understanding of the human body is what's let her excel at it. This isn't just my opinion. Her expertise in the field is why she's regularly asked to speak on panels, lead workshops, and join conferences related to physical therapy and mountain sports. I don't know exactly how to word this either, but it also seems that she's the resident doctor of physical therapy for the widely popular skiing, climbing, and running brand, Black Diamond. She works with many of their pro athletes in an educational video series called the BD Beta. Um, I just think that training leading up to that first ultra is really important. Uh, I did that myself. I really wasn't a runner, never ran a marathon, but wanted to run across the Wind Rivers in Wyoming just with a group of girlfriends. And that was like a 33-mile run unsupported out and back, or actually one way. <laughs> what I found um, was just a nice training program to get me ready for that mileage over time. The most common running-related injuries that I see are usually related to uh, ramping up training too quickly or doing new things too quickly um, or not uh, using kind of a multidisciplinary approach where you uh, cross train with strength and conditioning, flexibility um, and self-care. Ramping up too fast, yeah. Um, not maybe having the development in their body to run efficiently and effectively without misuse kind of overuse syndromes occurring. Mm -hmm. So I think anybody can step in without previous uh, ultra running experience and run their full first ultra, but it just has to be anticipated by a program for, you know, I think at least 12 weeks. How we use our body when we're running um, and how we tune it up outside of running, I think is the best prevention of injury. 
and the most effective at high performance running. In your experience, what other disciplines of mountain sports would lend themselves to producing performance characteristics useful for long distances? Um, is there anything that one does in other sports, say climbing or skiing, et cetera, that are mutually beneficial for ultra running? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think that climbing and ultra running are complementary in that there's a lot of pressing and upward power and momentum used in climbing that can be transferred to running and vice versa. Mm -hmm. uh, so that same like posterior chain emphasis that uh, is important in mountain running is also really important in climbing and both of those can be trained simultaneously and complement each other. Um, the same goes for uh, ski touring in the winter um, to anticipate a, a spring and summer of ultra running or trail running. Same, that posterior chain push off and activation of your glute hamstring. Those are like, that's key in all three of those disciplines. Um, and then I think cardiovascular training for all of those disciplines is important and that should be happening weekly, just baseline all, all year long for every athlete. Mm -hmm. And then the kind of more well-rounded strength and conditioning from like power stuff, some lifting, some Pilates, some yoga, those complementary uh, modalities that um, offer balance to the body. And those should kind of be running through the system. This is Megan. Hey, Megan. This is Blair. How are you? I'm well. I'm so sorry about that. Oh, seriously, don't apologize. I know how it is. Yeah, it was a total accident. I'll text you a photo of the scree slope that we kind of like got ourselves trapped on for about this is Megan Hicks. 20 minutes trying to find I could say a lot about Megan that's already been said before, from how she literally wrote a book on trail running to her incredible accomplishments in ultra running, which includes winning what's widely regarded as the toughest foot race on earth a 156-mile race across the Moroccan Sahara Desert called the Marathon de Sable. But her contributions to ultra running go way beyond her elite accomplishments. She's the managing editor for I Run Far, one of the few really successful websites dedicated to the sport with live coverage of major events and truly insightful articles written by athletes. You'll hear me plug it later in the show. Although she was gracious enough to speak with me for 45 minutes about a variety of running topics, you know, after she inadvertently got stuck on the side of a mountain, selfishly, that wasn't my main reason for reaching out to her for this specific conversation. Um, you know, and like the general public opinion of marathons, for instance, is that they're really difficult um, and that you have to train a lot to complete one. And they, they kind of get put on this pedestal as like, this significant effort of human accomplishment. And I was just wondering, you know, at any point, you know, be it before you discovered trail running, et cetera, did you think this way? Like, did you consider marathons as being hard? And, you know, did you at any time have a marathon as a goal of yours? Oh, 100%. I definitely uh, grew up as like a, you know, a runner of the, of the 90s and early 2000s where marathoning was like, you know, sort of the top of the pyramid of, you know, what, what you did as a runner. So, you know, it's like high school running, collegiate running, and then, you know, post-college is road running. And then, of course, like at the top of the road running run is completing the marathon distance. Um, I de definitely had that as a personal goal. I think I did mine pretty early. Um, I actually did it during 
I'd have to go back and look at the results. It was some year of college. I was just like, I want to do it and get it over with and say I've done it and stop, stop dreaming of it being too far in the future. And <laughs> sure. Yeah. So definitely prescribed to that, um, that sentiment for a good couple years of my life. As somebody who spends a significant amount of time in the mountains, uh, you know, I've just never thought that a marathon would be that difficult. Um, and you look at a general bar that's set for runners in road marathons, for example, and, you know, it's common for people to focus on running a sub four hour race, like a lot, you know, that's like kind of a bar that people have in their mind for like the average person. And, you know, I, I look at that and I was always kind of thinking, you know, only four hours, like that's just that just doesn't seem like it's that long of an effort. So I, <laughs> so I kind of always had this opinion that it was an arbitrary goal for people. So naturally, I wanted to just skip over that and go straight to running <laughs> a short ultra marathon, right? And I'm wondering, you know, can you describe your feelings and thoughts surrounding your first ultra marathon? You know, whatever the distance was, you know, that mental transition of going through and and saying like, oh, a marathon's hard. I'm going to get this out of the way. I'm going to do it to say I've done it. But then all of a sudden, you know, you transition to something that's mentally a lot farther. You know, were you worried about injuries? You know, how much nutritional planning went into it? Um, if you had a training plan or like what was your longest run prior and just what were your general goals going into your first ultra marathon? Well, I think I kind of approached like the, the slippery slope into trail ultra running similarly to how you described because uh, like around age 18, 19, 20, I started doing some of like, um, backpacking and, you know, long hikes on trails and, a little bit of like mountaineering type stuff. And so mm -hmm. I was already doing kind of like big days and mountainous terrain. Um, and so like the idea of, okay, now I'm going to do a running race that will take the same amount of time or far less than I've already done on some of my big adventures. Like that theoretically sounds easy, but I also had the experience knowing how difficult like running nonstop for 26 miles at a certain desired pace is sure um because i think that's one one thing that some people underestimate is um i mean road running is difficult because you're using the same muscle groups with no deviation for you know a while 100 160 80 steps per minute and sure. you get you get no you get no rest break till it's over whereas uh when you're doing like a trail ultra marathon the deviation in, in terrain dictates how your body moves. And so you're, you're constantly getting to, you know, rest this muscle while engaging this other one or understood you know, it becomes, becomes too steep to run anymore. So you get to hike for a little bit. Um, sure. So there, yeah. Yeah. I really, I, I think I went into trail ultra running with like the understanding of, okay, it doesn't seem like that much time on feet compared to big backpacking trips and mountain climbs and stuff like that. But Man, I know, I know running 26 miles is really hard. So this is, this is going to turn out to be hard too, I think. And it, it was, I mean, my first couple ultras rocked me, like really rocked me. <laughs> How long were they just out of curiosity? So I think my first ultra was a 50 K race in Utah. And then I think my second, um, ultra distance run was running rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon, which is oh, like wow. okay. five miles, something like that. O obviously not a race an adventure. Yeah, but I yeah. think 
I think I stepped up to like, you know, 30 miles and then 45 miles like that. Understood. You know, do, in your opinion, and I'm not trying to lead you one way or the other, but do you think that somebody just jumping into ultra running without prior experience running marathons is just generally a dumb idea? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if you look at our sport and the the sport of trail ultra running and the people who are in it right now, um, if you look at the upper echelon, if you look at mid packers, if you look at back of packers, I think there is proof in the population that there is no one way mm-hmm. to get to where you're going with trail ultra running. There's some people who train, you know, really low mileage, but high quality and sure. run ultras because they have, you know, really busy lives and don't have a lot of time. There's, you know, some people who are retired and they've got hours a day to be out running or they've got a job with a flexible schedule that allows them to get out or they don't yet have a family that takes up extra time. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've got more, more freedom for volume. And then like, even in the upper echelon of the sport, there's people who, you know, they just picked up, they picked up trail running by some random 50k race and they had only ever done a half marathon with their cousin before and it all works out yeah there's that's the beautiful thing about trail ultra running is that the the path is not it's i mean we're an established sport we've been around for a while but what things have shown is that there's multiple pathways to success which is so cool talking to megan made me feel pretty encouraged that sure, while I may not historically be a runner in the traditional sense, what Chad and I were gonna do wasn't that unrealistic whatsoever. In fact, ultra trail running could be transitioning out of its niche heritage as we speak, and my gateway into it could be pretty common. As nonsensical and ostentatious as it sounds, I've already been bored by the marathon distance before I even completed one. With that said, I wanted to talk to somebody who has a lot of data points on this and find out if other people are turning to ultra trail runs because they're bored with the idea of running a road marathon. That's coming up after the short break. As I mentioned on episode one, Mountain Standard doesn't exactly have proper underwriters at the moment. And if I'm being honest, I kind of like the idea of just briefly mentioning outdoor specific businesses and like-minded organizations that you and other people should be paying attention to. It's not every day that I give unsolicited sales pitches for brands that sell products as opposed to services or experiences. But when talking about Black Diamond, I kind of have to mention all three. First and foremost, I have a ton of their stuff from climbing and skiing hardware to general outdoor apparel and a couple of their newer items focused on trail running. So far, I can confidently say that everything is as functional and durable as it is good looking. But what they do for athletes beyond making great products is why I'm super psyched on them. They're intimately involved in avalanche education for backcountry skiers. They sponsor some amazing mountain sport events like the Discrete Cirque series that I mentioned in the last episode. And they work with sports professionals like Esther Smith to give people like us free content on how to be better mountain athletes. They're just a well-rounded business that you should consider checking out when you have some time. I quickly want to mention a website and app called Road Trip Ryan because it's a really unique approach to publishing detailed info on really fun adventure trips. The website is essentially like a library of hiking, canyoneering, slot canyoning, and climbing trips with incredibly detailed instructions and photos about how to get out there and explore the same terrain. 
I'm talking about full details on what to bring, how difficult it is, what environmental variables are at play, all the important waypoints, when to go, everything. It's kind of crazy because if you go to roadtripryan.com and click on trips and then the overview map, you quickly see that this isn't just a cute little blog full of dozens of trip reports. It's literally many hundreds of detailed explorations that can be sorted by activity type and area and then length or even rating. I've personally purchased and used a couple of areas for my phone, and I think it's an indispensable tool for anyone interested in off the beaten path adventures in the Intermountain West. And last thing I want to bring up is just like I did on the last episode is that you should be following and supporting two unique creative publications, Adventure Journal and Semirad.com. Adventure Journal is an amazing collection of wilderness stories and insightful articles written by a variety of athletes, professionals, and everyday people. You can subscribe to their print publication or simply their emails at adventure-journal.com. And one of those people that contributes occasionally is Brendan Leonard, who creates his own books, films, essays, and illustrations about adventure and traveling and human experiences. He recently published his experience running 52 marathons in 52 weeks throughout 2019, which I find pretty relevant to this podcast episode. So you should go give that a read. And if you love the fitness tracking app Strava, you'll love checking out all the data on all 52 marathon activities that he posted. I can't stress enough how bona fide both of these publications are for outdoor athletes and enthusiasts. So consider supporting them in any way. Now, let's pick up where I left off. Before the break, I had found out that my introduction to ultra running probably wasn't as unique as I first thought. But to shed some more light on it, I wanted to talk to somebody who actually had experience and data points on runners targeting ultra marathons simply due to disinterest in road marathons. Yeah, no, I, I think it's probably true. I mean, and I'm not really sure if there's a big transition from road to trail and, and, and doing a marathon is definitely, definitely um, hard. This is Todd. He and his wife, Renee, have a ton of experience in organizing trail races of a variety of distances in the Pacific Northwest, but he can do a better job explaining that. Yeah, I am Todd Jansen, uh, one half of Go Beyond Racing uh, with Renee. We started Go Beyond in 2013. We started um, the Portland Trail Series. We also had um, the Mount Hood 50. And then also Renee and I started what's now the Stumptown Trail Runs. It used to be called the Trail Factor. Uh, we also started a timing business prior to Go Beyond Racing. Honestly, I was much more interested in the putting on the races than I was putting timing the races. And so kept focusing on that. And we started a couple races here and there, and then everything kind of grew into that business went away and Renee and I started Go Beyond Racing. But I think the what I've seen recently is that, you know, more and more people want to do something a little bit harder like, you know, maybe more vertical or more mm -hmm. um, technical or whatever. And people are a certain subset of the ultra runners are drawn to that yeah. sort of technical, steep type of uh, event. And, you know, they're more kind of non-race, um, fat ass type events where it's just kind of crazy bushwhacking, you know, hard stuff that people do. I yeah. think people are drawn to that a little mm -hmm. bit more than in the past. And I think, you know, I think there's also, you know, people are doing longer races for sure is, is one of the trends as well. But I think it's kind of a mix of, you know, steeper people love steep, short stuff like vertical K's and yeah. different things. But, um, I think that's a real trend that people just are trying to do stuff. that's just a little different, not your traditional 
again, nothing wrong with the traditional 50K, mm -hmm. but I think people want to do something a little different than that. Yeah. More and more. Todd was right, at least in regards to my own motivations. I like steepness. I like technicality. But this all may just be a bunch of delusions in my head if I come to find out that I don't like distance. So there was nothing else left to do but to find out. With under a week left before the actual 55k I entered with Shad, I had to at least attempt something close to a marathon distance on trails with a little bit of steep and a little bit of technical terrain. So I planned to run the next day that I thought would come close to that distance. The problem was, I have a phobia about tracking distance in real time. I've always thought that if you don't actually know how far you've been biking or running, etc., then you won't be hindered mentally by the ominous answer to the question of how far you still have yet to go. So I mapped out a series of connecting trails that started in Salt Lake's Big Cottonwood Canyon and climbed up and over down into the Park City side and traversed the ski resort territories then climbed back out and along the ridge that separates the two and returned to the original trailhead. Sort of like a lollipop where you have a small bit of out and back sandwiching a big loop. I suspected it would be in the correct distance range I wanted and had a couple bailout points should I suffer some catastrophic failure physically or even mentally for that matter. It even had a point where I was guaranteed to be able to restock my water supply. Being mid-August, I knew I had to get an early start. Even at the higher elevations, the heat would be problematic. But overall, the weather was looking great for this run, or at least it shouldn't present any unforeseen complications. The next day, I woke up with little urgency. I told my wife I'd be gone most of the day on my one single training run, although in the back of my mind, I really thought I'd be home by 3.30 after picking up our dog, Nico, from Doggy Daycare. I really wasn't expecting to be out more than six hours total, so I casually started getting my gear together and recorded how the day went. Well, it's the Monday before the race, and I decided that today is the day I'm going to see if I can run, I don't know, something around 25 miles little apprehensive about it. I've kind of been putting it off for a bit and um, just get my stuff together now. I'm not overly nervous. I still think I'm pretty good. Like I'm going to be able to um, do this kind of without issue, but I've had a number of injuries, small injuries recently that um, have kind of made me more apprehensive than I normally am about this kind of stuff. So I'm wearing a, uh, a running vest for uh, for this run today, and I don't know if whether I'm overpacking or what, but I've got three liters of water, which is certainly not near enough. I'm going to need to find water during this run, unfortunately. Um, but I've got a fair amount of food. I've got some salty food. I've got some goose. I've got a pro bar. I've got two kind bars. Um, I've got a jacket, I've got an extra pair of socks, uh, I've got my, um, uh, like trekking poles or whatever you want to call them. Um, they're relatively light. Oh, and toilet paper. Yep. Toilet paper. Much needed. But man, this whole thing comes in at just under 10 pounds. 
And man, I was just not expecting it to weigh that much. I'm not entirely sure how that's really going to affect me on this, but I guess we'll find out again. So, uh, just parked at the Mildy parking lot here in uh, Big Cottonwood Canyon, um, just outside Salt Lake City here. And unfortunately, kind of got a later start on the day than I was expecting, which is never a good sign. It's, uh, I was really hoping to get started by like 8.30 and it's, God, it's 9.30 already. Um, just kind of one of those lazy start days, I guess. But... I don't know. It's uh, one thing I didn't really consider a ton was the fact that it's going to be somewhere around 100 degrees today in the valley. Right now it's sitting at about 65 here at the base of the parking lot. So um, I'm feeling pretty okay about that. And my plan is to run up and over into Park City, which is generally cooler anyway. Um, and I don't know. It's going to be somewhere, I think it's going to be somewhere around 25 miles. I don't have an exact measurement on it. And uh, if I had to guess, it was going to be somewhere around 3,000 feet, 3,500 feet of gain over that course of uh, 25 miles. Um, again, getting a little nervous about how well my knee injury is going to work out during this whole thing. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, am I really going to am I really going to mentally be able to like turn around and, you know, fail at running a shorter distance a week before I'm supposed to run a relatively lengthy distance? Um, I'm not entirely sure exactly how it's going to go, but uh, I'm going to give it a whirl. It hasn't really stopped me before. And that's kind of the whole point of this is not necessarily knowing where your limits are and being able to push a little bit. Um, I guess with that, there's nothing really left to do but to uh, close up the van here and get started. At this point, I was climbing a fair bit, right around 600 feet per mile and taking it easy, at least in my head, at a low to mid 13 minute per mile pace. When I'm working hard on steep uphills, I'm definitely closer to high 10s or low 11 minute miles. So this was a significant effort to reduce my output in hopes of actually being able to complete this trial run. I can't help but have the thought, uh, is this a mistake not having uh, fill-up stations planned along the route? You know, I haven't even taken my first sip of water yet. I'm about a mile in. It's been all uphill. You know, so far it's been pretty good. I'm getting pretty psyched. My knee is great um, right now. Very little descent so far. So we'll see when I have longer descents if my knee holds together.
Oh, geez, okay, so oh, I just got to the top of Desolation Lake Trail. Um, and admittedly, it's taken me a little bit longer to get here than I'd expected. Um, I'm looking at the notorious spine and area I'm all too familiar with on the Wasatch Crest Trail. Normally biking this and man, I'm gonna be pretty happy to see this thing again uh, on the descent. But for now, I'm gonna try to run this thing in a uh, <clears throat> clockwise direction down into Park City and uh, yeah, hopefully be able to uh, maybe halfway refill on water. Still haven't used that much water. Um, I've only taken four or five sips here, but I've definitely been a fair bit off of my elevation estimate. Um, when I originally projected this was gonna be like 3,500 total. I mean, that still may be true. I don't think it is going to be though, because I just, I just burnt through easily 2,300 feet of it right now. Looking back at it now, I was actually wrong about this too. It was a little under 2,100 feet, not 2,300 feet as I was taking a guess at. Um, so it took me about an hour to get through that, um, like an hour and five minutes or something, but uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I can't be overly upset with how things are going so far, but distance-wise, I am not too far in, but I'm looking, looking forward to a pretty decent descent now um, down into Park City. Still got some climbing to do, but not a ton. But yeah, for now, I'm going to turn left and can't wait to see uh, this spine area again. So, man, I finally got to a traversing section on part of the Wasatch Crest Trail. Again, something I've mountain biked so many times before. Never actually run it. The views are opening up. Um, it's a non-mountain bike day, um, even though I've seen a couple mountain bikers here. Um, and goddamn, it's really what it's all about. And he's feeling good on the initial, albeit very mellow descent and traversing. But man, I'm really looking forward to dropping into the canyons now. And uh, getting excited now about, I don't know, probably four or five miles through at best. So yeah, this is nice. This is what it's for, for sure. Woo, just start my first mildly technical descent and goddamn this is fun oh. Ooh, there's a line I would never take mountain biking but feel pretty good on foot oh it's loose here still loose here oh. at this juncture I was completely psyched on what I was doing I was just over six miles in, and it really felt good Yeehaw. to have a fun descent and run a conservative, you know, nine minute a mile pace on. I'd normally be cruising in the seven minute pace range on this type of terrain, but I wasn't looking to push hard like I would maybe in a sprint race and risk a fall and get injured. So I was simply just enjoying the solitude of running on single track in the mountains on a glorious freaking day. Well, 
Uh, I just finished up at the Red Pine Gondola here at the canyons. Feeling pretty good so far. I've got some relatively, I don't know, early muscle fatigue in my calves. Uh, something I've definitely never experienced before. So that's kind of weird. Um, but refilled on water, honestly didn't really use much up until here. I'm certainly past a third of the way through. Um, probably around mile 10 right now. Definitely a lot to go, um, but major climb is not uh, gonna come for a little while. So still have plenty, plenty of food, even though forgot my bank card and ID, so I couldn't exactly buy anything here, but uh, I'm not overly worried about it. I'm uh, just gonna kind of motor on here and see how the rest of this goes. But I, uh, I don't have any more water options after this in terms of scheduled water options. And if I'm just past a third of the way through, um, I think I'm gonna have enough. So I guess, we'll, uh, guess we'll find out shortly here. Well, at this point, um, definitely over halfway into this training run. And man, it just feels like for the last four miles or so, I've had like three or four muscle groups just on the verge of cramping up. I haven't actually cramped up. Um, my pace is extremely slow right now, um, which is fine. I mean, it's kind of the plan. I really don't necessarily care about the pace for this. I just need to prove to myself that I can do 25 without any major issues. But man, it's just an odd thing running when it feels like, and so many things are about to cramp up. Um, like I said, I'm definitely well past the halfway point. Um, I've run probably this distance before with a lot more vert without issues. Um, certainly at a faster pace but I knew that was gonna be the end of it. Um, this is definitely different. So, and I'm sure the pack weight isn't exactly helping matters, but anyway, we'll uh, continue on. Um, we're getting closer to the base of the climb, should be at the base of the climb in like two miles or something like that. So yeah, I am really, really looking forward to that. Well, I'm sitting at the trail intersection to start the climb. And man, it's just one of those weird moments where you're just kind of questioning what the hell you're thinking the whole time. But it's okay. Um, certainly harder than I thought it was going to be. And, man, I just keep stubbing my fucking toes because I'm not lifting my feet high enough. It's something akin to, you know, being like a road runner and then all of a sudden getting on trails. Like, man, I hardly ever stub my toes. But, man, I, I must have done it two fucking dozen times. And each time, I wind up flexing my core, which sends a huge pain spike into my injured rib and man I've just been like instantly my brain temperature spikes and I just 
fucking curse out loud. Which is good because there's not that many people on the trail today. Actually, to be accurate, I think I've seen five, five people so far today. But man, uh, I don't have a ton of energy for this climb. But mentally, well, and physically, I am uh, have to be committed to this direction. So it's not only the shortest direction, um, but uh, mentally it is, you know, the direction that I intended to uh, pursue. So we'll uh, we'll get on the home stretch soon here. But um, right now I got some work ahead of me. I briefly muttered during the beginning of this recording that I was actually sitting down at this trail intersection, which wasn't an easy decision to make. Making that decision to sit down meant that this effort wouldn't be continuous, and I would have to hope that a brief rest was going to give me something that I was lacking. It's a lot easier to think about quitting when you're sitting down or drinking a beer. It was after this recording that things really started to deteriorate. Both my physical and mental stability were quickly waning. The reality was starting to set in that I still had a pretty lengthy climb up and out of Park City in front of me, only to get to a point where I knew I still had six or seven miles left back downhill to the trailhead. Not great moments were ahead of me. Oh, okay, so I'm at the top of the climb. Uh, the top of Pinecone, aka Puke Hill on the other side. Uh, and man, that took a lot longer than I wanted. Um, gotta be honest, definitely fast walked probably three miles out of the four. Um, pretty disappointed right now, actually. Um, couldn't really get going any faster because I was just still on that, you know, potential cramping situation that just seemed terrible. Um, stopped a couple times, got a little bit of sustenance in me. Um, it's getting later than I wanted right now, but I don't have a ton of climbing left, which is good. Um, I am worried about cramping on the descent, but still got a handful of miles left, and I'm uh, not overly enthusiastic about it right now. <clears throat> but we will uh, we'll see how long this next little bit takes me. But I'm expecting a pretty pretty piss poor overall time on this uh, approximately 25 mile effort. So. Uh, time for just a little bit more food and uh, I should have enough water to finish this out but uh, man sure it's beautiful up here but ugh, this was tough I should have uh, you know maybe run in the past three weeks before doing this um, maybe I wouldn't be so disappointed right now anyway Well, I'm only a couple miles from the car now, past the spine. I was elated to see that. 
Um, you know, overall, I'm definitely going to get through this, but it's way later than I expected. Um, and my calves and occasionally hamstrings are <clears throat> not doing so well. I feel like they could kind of halt me at any moment and reduce me to a really slow walk. They haven't yet, but <clears throat> I am walking a lot, even on the downhill now, back down to Mill Deep Trailhead. So I'm not in a good spot, honestly, mentally. It's uh, been a frustrating second half of the day. And, um, you know, I hope I get better. That's, that's all that matters. I need to be able to get through what will probably be, you know, 10 more miles than where I'm at now um, without having these issues reducing my pace to a really slow run, um, you know, kind of a fast walk a lot of the time here, but I'll be back at the car soon. I've been the benefactor of some fortunate um, <clears throat> cloud cover, and even though it's hot as balls right now, it's uh, really not affecting me that much. It hasn't increased my water intake which I'm almost out of. Um, but uh, yeah, I should, be, I should be fine to get back to the car without any major incident, but man, it's not been a very positive day for me, unfortunately. <clears throat> that last recording was still about two to two and a half miles from the trailhead. Listening to that, it actually sounded much more positive than the previous two recordings. Although I'd been out for somewhere around seven hours and still had at least 30 minutes left, even though it was technically all downhill. I remember after that moment, I was just hyper-focused on finding out how long this run I did actually was. I've been so committed to the idea of this being 25-ish miles, you know, maybe a marathon, that the thought of me getting back to my van and checking Strava to find out it was actually only some bullshit like 20 miles would have reduce me to literal tears. I caught myself thinking about this seemingly every minute that my mind would stray from just putting one foot in front of the other. I thought about not checking until I had gotten water and food in me and was in the driver's seat with the AC on so I could better conceal my disappointment in front of what I was certain would be a large crowd of people just getting to the trailhead after work as it was already 5.30 at this point. I had a lot of potential things to worry about like this cramping threat issue and my left knee that hadn't been able to take much weight for the last 10 miles or so. And this toe strike thing that I had going on that were sending quick shocks of pain up into my bruised rib. But as it turned out, the specific worry about the distance that facilitated all of this wasn't actually warranted. After getting my shit sorted out and being able to face the verdict, I opened Strava to end the run. It had indicated that I had run a little bit over 30 miles total and 5,100 feet of elevation gain with a moving pace of 13 minutes, 22 seconds a mile. Not exactly breaking any records and I wasn't in good shape afterwards either. If I wanted to target an eight hour finish on my ultra, I was going to have to average that pace overall, meaning including time stopped at aid stations, etc. 
and, you know, sitting down to hate my life decisions. Coming up on part two of this episode, I get mildly insulted for my motivations. I have warned you against the sins of the foot, and yet still you fall into iniquity. I receive more warning signs from people who know what they're doing. But all too often, people in their first ultra uh, blow up really bad. Shad discusses his worst case scenario. Although I will slay and eat a runner if I get hungry enough out there. (laughs) And I learn the error of my ways. I mean, you really have to feed yourself for things lasting more than two or three hours. I took zero electrolytes with me. Oh yeah, you're an idiot. All that and more coming up on the next episode of Mountain Standard. A huge thank you needs to be sent out to Todd and Renee Jansen from Go Beyond Racing, Megan Hicks from I Run Far, and Grassroots Physical Therapy founder Esther Smith for the time they spent with me on this podcast. All those people do way cooler things for mountain sport athletes than I do, so you should do a little bit of Googling to see what they're working on. For instance, you should check out Go Beyond Trail Races if you're anywhere in the Pacific Northwest during the months of May through October. They run a variety of trail races that range from a weekly 5K series all the way up to 100-mile ultramarathons for serious runners. And if you're not already an avid reader, absolutely go to irunfar.com to see the best coverage in ultra trail races out there, as well as insightful content about not only how to be a better runner, but how to be a better all-around athlete and outdoor steward. And if you can't seem to find the right physical therapist for whatever injury you have, or if you're setting goals a lot higher this year in whatever outdoor sport you prefer, check out Esther's self-treatment website, grassrootsselftreatment.com. Trust me, her work and experience is good enough for professional climbers and runners and skiers and cyclists, so it's definitely going to be a huge advantage to you. Thanks for the listen.